For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Find easy ways to store your outdoor tools and accessories at Menards. Suncast provides high quality and easy to assemble storage. Suncast storage sheds are the perfect solution for organizing and protecting your outdoor tools and equipment. Plus, their all-weather construction is low maintenance. Explore all our outdoor storage options in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? My name is Patrick Allen. Welcome to a game preview edition of the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Matt Verderam. Verderam, so our last podcast was an adventure, to say the least. Uh, yeah. and, and, and I felt really bad because I thought I had mucked something up. So if you, you, you probably heard this on our last episode, I, I recorded a little intro explaining what had happened, but I hit record on the zoom. I did. But when we finished our hour long plus podcast, probably one of the longest ones we ever had, I realized it wasn't recording anymore. So, uh, we re-recorded it for y'all. It, we started at midnight. Uh, and I went to bed at 2.30 that night by the time I got done editing and posting it. Uh, so just so you guys know how dedicated we are to making sure you get your, your podcast content. But then after I, we re-recorded and I, I downloaded the Zoom, the first like 38 minutes of our podcast actually did record. And I don't know what happened. At some point, it just stopped recording and we didn't notice. So then I had to splice it together. It was a nightmare. I think it mostly made sense, but you, at the end, you hear us like our energy level drops and like we keep making reference to talking about things earlier. Um, So I had to record a little intro. Anyway, we're going to keep an eye on things this go around. Probably best. Yeah, indeed. All right. Um, So let's, let's get into it. Uh, This is the Airhead Attic podcast. You guys can leave us reviews over at Apple podcasts. Uh, those are really important to us. So if you can leave us a written review over there, you guys have been fantastic. We've been getting a lot of reviews, although we were a little, we're a little down this week. Not a lot of activity over there. We're looking for more. We're actually coming up on the 100th episode of this podcast. So we've not done 100 episodes. Some other folks were running this before we were, but we are coming up on, on 100. We're in the 90s now. And uh, we'd, love to, we'd love to match it with having over 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts. We got a little bit of work to do. So if you guys haven't given us a written review over there yet, please head over to Apple Podcasts and do that. We're going to be running some promotions and giveaways, and we'll probably have something big when we get around the 100th episode. So maybe we'll jack up the prize a little bit if we get to 100 reviews. That would be awesome. We, we could always use the reviews. could always use them. Appreciate them as always. Last time we had a handful on pineapple pizza, and it went well. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get some more reviews in there. Cause right now, I think if you're a new podcast listener and you're checking out our reviews, you're, there's all this stuff about pineapple pizza and pro- people are probably a little perplexed 
but they're, look, they're going to find out anyway when they, once they start listening. Um, all right. So Verderam, there were, the Northern Lights were supposedly over, over Chicago last night. I, you couldn't see them probably because of the light pollution. You're up there in, in, uh, in the Rockford area. But you, you didn't get out and see them. I heard you were watching the challenge and you fell asleep. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I watched the challenge. Uh, and I, I had a little bit of uh, Culver's with it, which was great, by the way. If you're not familiar, Culver's ice cream place out here, fantastic. Um, yeah, no, I watched the challenge on MTV like like any self-respecting 32-year-old man should. Uh, and then after that, uh, actually did a little bit of work. And I think it was like midnight, 12, 30, and I just, I, yeah, hell with it. I wasn't staying up to look at a bunch of lights. Listen, I respect that they're, they're cool looking, but uh, – yeah, they're lights. I'm I'm going to bed. I'm, at, at midnight, I'm not looking for light. I'm looking for the darkness at that point. <laughs> this is like a this is like a, a marvel of nature. You're just, Don't care. You're, just, you're throwing it away. It's light. You know what else is a marvel of nature? Ice cream, and then just going to bed. <laughs> that's a that's a good call. I, I I tweeted about this earlier. Do you ever just like because uh, I know you're a big like me and any sane human being, you're a big fan of peanut butter. You ever yes. just grab the jar of peanut butter with your pint of ice cream and start going to town? I did it last night. It's, I think, it's I, the only I way. Big, I threw a big dab, but first of all, okay, so when I, I'm a creature hacker. When I go to Culver's, I get the same thing every time. I get, a, I get a, short mini, or a short mixer with vanilla custard, peanut butter cup, peanut butter sauce, and whipped cream. The same thing. And this one, for whatever the reason, the peanut butter was really only mixed in on like the top half. So I got the bottom half of this thing, I just threw a dab of peanut butter in there and made it work myself. So I, I am a huge peanut butter fan. I probably have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day. I just, I, I love peanut butter. So I'm, I'm all for it. And I somehow haven't ballooned to 500 pounds. So it's uh, working out so far. If, if any of you in, in Cheese Kingdom live in Chicago, and I know many of you or some of you do out here, we're, we're not too far from Kansas City. There is a pie place. You turned me onto this Verderam. Oh, it's what's, incredible. What's, what's the name of that place with the, with the peanut slice. butter? First slice. It's in it's on the north side. Pie. It is like I got it for my my birthday cake one year because it's incredible. It's like a giant Reese cup, right? Yes. Like it's just a giant Reese's. Like dig in it. You eat it. You feel incredible and also simultaneously terrible about yourself when you have a slice of this. But it's it has an Oreo crust, doesn't it? Yes. It's incredible. <sighs> no, it's amazing. I I got it once. Um, I got like a slice of it once because it was, it was two blocks down from where I lived in Chicago. And so I got a slice and it was amazing. And then Steph, this is pre Maisie, is pre having a daughter. Stephanie went away for like a girl's weekend and I was hanging out with the dog. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go down there and get a slice. And I went down there and they had like an in, like individual pies. And so I bought one and just ate the entire thing. And I was telling everybody at the office about it. And uh, for Christmas one year, I, I went out and bought one and brought it into the office, and everybody uh, everybody had a good day that day. But you know, it's it's a beautiful thing, chocolate peanut butter pie. Speaking of a beautiful thing, the Pittsburgh Steelers lost to the Washington Football Team. Our old pal Alex Smith yep. did us a solid. I had a feeling, I had a feeling that that could be a tough game for Pittsburgh. Washington's playing really well. Smith has has stabilized that offense. They got a good defense. And they did it. I, they, I really just, I'm so, I'm, on one hand, I'm incredibly happy for Alex Smith. He could lead that team to the playoffs in that division, which is just uh, absolutely amazing, completes a great story. And I'm really just thrilled that the Chiefs now, now 
Kansas City's been in this position for a while. Pittsburgh has no room for error. Uh, no, they look. So this is a good place to start the football part of the podcast. So now, like, it's very weird how this whole thing can play out. Essentially, the easiest way I can put it is. The Bills are the last team that the Steelers will play that is a common opponent for Kansas City and Pittsburgh. The Chiefs do not have any common opponents left. Kansas City did not lose a game against the common opponent. Okay, they beat Houston, they beat Denver twice, they beat Baltimore, they beat Buffalo. If Pittsburgh loses this game, they will lose the tiebreaker with Kansas City because the conference uh, record will be even to this point which is the first tie break, and then it's common opponent. The Chiefs will clinch the common opponent thing. So if Kansas City beats the Dolphins this weekend and the Steelers lose to the Bills, all the Chiefs have to do, regardless of Pittsburgh's results the rest of the way, is split the two games against the Saints and the Falcons and beat the Chargers. If they do that, they're the number one seed. They cannot be caught. Now, if the Chiefs... Okay, so now, if, if the Steelers beat the Bills, the Chiefs beat the Dolphins, they're still even through this week. Then it gets more interesting. Because the Steelers only play conference opponents the rest of the way. So if they lose one there, and the Chiefs were to, let's say, lose to the Saints and win out, then it comes down to strength of victory. That gets really convoluted, because right now it's almost dead even. If the Chiefs beat the Saints and lose to the Falcons somehow and end up tied, the Chiefs will win because the Saints will be such a key victory for them. But it actually hurts the Chiefs they beat the Jets because the Jets don't have a win. So there's no strength to victory in it. So it's, it's very – Pittsburgh would have a good shot to win that. So really, if you're, if you're in Chiefs' kingdom here, if you're listening, I'm sure you are, you really want the Steelers to lose this game against Buffalo and Kansas City to win against Miami because that would put the Chiefs in position where basically all they have to do is beat Atlanta and, and, and Los Angeles and they, they, win the, they win the one seed. Um, and then finally – if Kansas City wins on Sunday and Buffalo loses to Pittsburgh, it's not ideal, but the Chiefs clinch at least the two seed. So a lot of things to consider. I know that's a lot. You may want to listen to that twice. But that's uh, – I, I sat there and played with the playoff machine for about an hour and then confirmed that. That is accurate. That is the way that it breaks down going into the weekend. Yeah, the strength of victory thing is, is a weird way to do it because, yeah. because, as you said, it punishes you for beating the teams that you should beat. And if you happen to, I mean, obviously it rewards you for beating the good teams, but a lot of that's out of your control as a, as a team. Like you can't control who you play, right? So the, the, it will help the Chiefs to beat the Saints and it will help the Chiefs if the Saints keep winning, right? Or is it only strength of victory in the AFC? It's a uh, total, total. Total, okay, all right, okay. So basically we're all Bills fans right now. Come on, Josh Allen. Those guys are playing really good football. So if they can keep it up, the way that they played last week, they should. They'll beat the. They'll beat the Steelers. We got to get to our first break. We're gonna do it really quick, and we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about this big game we got coming up this weekend with the Chiefs and the Dolphins. This is the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, in case you forgot what you were listening to over the break. Uh, let's get into Dolphins Chiefs. We'll talk a little, little more about the Steelers maybe at the end of the podcast, but we've got a game to win, first and foremost. The Chiefs have to keep winning. I, I, I tweeted this out earlier today. They've just been on an absolutely incredible roll. They've won, I think, 20 of their last 21 games, something along those lines. 
Yep. They've, they've only lost uh, one game since last November 18th. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. I think that's something we need to put as fans, we need to put in perspective when we have some of these close games, like they're just, they're going to have some close games in the NFL, but they just, they win them. And the difference is Patrick Mahomes, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? Look, I don't think people understand. 20 of 21, I actually at some point maybe here this weekend, I'll go and do a deep dive on this. How many teams have ever won 20 of 21 games in the NFL? I mean, I bet you could count them on one hand. Obviously, you know, probably that 72 Dolphins team, they went 17 and 0. So I'm sure if you tacked on a couple of games from the end of 71 or something, you know, or, or the beginning of 73, they probably did it. Um, I'm sure there's a few others, but it's, it's, it's rare. I, I, I would be willing to say that maybe five teams in NFL history have done it. I mean, it's, it's probably as rare as that, if not even rarer. So, yeah, and the difference is Mahomes. He's, he's literally never played a bad game, ever. I mean, his worst game is probably, I don't know. Uh, game. I, I mean, maybe. I, it's just he doesn't play bad games. He doesn't have games or he, he just can't get going. So, by proxy, he's always going to keep you in it. They have so much talent around them that they're going to make plays. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they have their warts. I tweeted out earlier this week about their defense and certain things that have been a disaster this year. But, I mean – all in all, it's pretty hard to argue. I mean, they're sitting there at eleven and one. They're they're a, you know a seven point favorite in Miami against an eight and fourteen this weekend, and then a, a look ahead line over at Bavada. And I'll be honest, this surprised me. Chiefs are in New Orleans the week after Miami. The Chiefs are a three point favorite in New Orleans. New Orleans has won nine in a row. Like it, it, you know, they're a Super Bowl favorite, and it just doesn't matter. The Chiefs are just favorites, no matter who they play, where they play them, when they play them. It goes to show. Oh, look, Vegas is in the business of making money. So those lines, to me, it's always interesting to look at. Yeah, they want action on both sides. But for them to put the Chiefs a three-point favorite in, in, at the Saints, that's the hardest game in football. It's not a Kansas City. I mean, that tells you, by the way, you know, usually you get three points if you're a home team. That means if that game was an arrowhead, the Chiefs would be a nine-point favorite. That's just insane. That's impossible to be a nine-point favorite. In that game. It's just, it shows the level that the Chiefs are at right now. Yeah, absolutely. They are 25 and four in their last few 29 games with Patrick Mahomes as the starter. And in a couple of those games, Mahomes was really banged up with the ankle. The Chiefs were banged up and the defense was just not playing well. I remember that Colts game. Yep. It just was, it was so frustrating because they just ran on them and ran on them and ran on them and they couldn't get the offense back on the field. So uh, those are rare and the Chiefs are ready for that kind of strategy now. I'm excited about the the Saints game. I know we're going to talk about the Dolphins here in just a second, but the Saints game is interesting, particularly if Drew Brees is back, because that could be a potential Super Bowl preview. The Saints are very good. Obviously, they've got Alvin Kamara. And it also, even though the Chiefs lost last year to the Packers, I'm glad they got to play them, even though Mahomes wasn't in there, because a lot of the same personnel are back, and they kept it close. So that was kind of a good sign as they were playing with Matt Moore. And the Saints profile out a lot, at least on offense, like the Packers, right? They've got to, you know, they, they have to throw the ball to the running back, got a dynamic wide receiver. It's really incredible and a, a solid veteran quarterback. So I think that's a good tune-up game for the Chiefs, even though they, they won't get to see the Packers this year unless they play them in the Super Bowl. It's, it's a good, because the Chiefs weren't very good on defense against, you know, Aaron Jones tore them up last year. So 
Right. They, they better keep their eye on Avin Kamara this year. Or they're going to be in big trouble. Uh, but we'll get to that game here in a week or so. Let's talk about the Dolphins. So let's get you primed for this game. As Matt mentioned already, Chiefs are 11-1. and one. The Dolphins are a surprising 8-4. and four. Minus 7 to the Chiefs on the line. The over-under is 49.5. Miami's wins this year. Miami's a really interesting team. So they've got wins against the Jaguars, the 49ers, the Jets. None of those are particularly impressive wins. Those teams have been dealing with injuries. They're not very good. But then they beat the Rams, which are a very good football team, 28-17. to 17. It has a very good defense. They beat the Cardinals 34-31, to 31, so they won a shootout with, with the Cardinals and a, and a great young quarterback. And then they beat the Chargers, Jets, and Bengals. Their losses came to the Patriots in Week 1, 21-11, the Bills, 31-28. to 28. So they played Buffalo close, and then they lost to the Seahawks, and then a weird loss to the Broncos. So they lost three of their first four games, but since then they've won seven of eight. So they're on quite a roll, and they've been doing it with two quarterbacks, which is really interesting to me. So I wanted to, to ask you this, Verderam. Now, Tua Tungavailoa will be playing on Sunday. He is dealing with a little bit of a thumb injury, but he played through it last week. It did keep him out two weeks ago in a game against the Jets. But he also got benched the week before that in the, in the loss to Denver. He just wasn't playing well. So do the Chiefs need to prepare for both quarterbacks here? Because Brian Flores has shown that, hey, if two, they're trying to get in the playoffs, they're trying to win the division at this point. They're, they're within striking distance of the division. He's shown that he, he, if, if, if two is not playing well, he'll put Fitzpatrick in there if the team needs a spark. Yeah, I, I don't think you need to prepare Fitzpatrick, though. I would just prepare for Tua because if Fitzpatrick comes in this game, in my opinion, unless it's an injury type thing, the Chiefs have won the game at that point. Um, Tua's going to start. He's going to play. Uh, I would imagine he's going to get plenty of rope. And you, know, you mentioned their wins. And I'm not – look, I, I think the Dolphins are a good young team. They're very good defensively. They're top five in a lot of categories. Uh, you also mentioned who they beat. The Rams game was probably the most impressive win. Here's the yardage total from the Rams game. 471 to 145. The Rams were the ones with the 471. Uh, they had 31 first downs to eight. The Dolphins averaged three yards of play. Tua went 12 to 22 for 93 yards. The Rams lost that game because Miami scored three touchdowns on defense and or special teams. Um, look, Miami's limited offensively. They don't have any receiver on pace for 800 yards. They don't have a running back who can do much. In fact, they're, they're almost dead last in the league in yards per carry. Tua has been a guy who throws pretty much exclusively short. Um, Arizona was his best game. You know, when they beat Arizona, that was probably their most impressive win. Uh, even though the Rams are the better team, I just outlined why that game to me is kind of fool's gold. The, the game against Arizona, best win they had. And in that game, by the way, they got out game 442 to 312. But the other stats are a little closer. And Tua played well. Tua went 20-28, uh, 248, and two touchdowns. So that was the best game they had. And they came from behind. They won that game in the fourth quarter. Uh, but again, by the way, they had two defensive scores in that game. Like, their offense scored 20 points. And this is what I keep going back to, and this is going to be the theme of this podcast. The Chiefs are not losing this game if they don't make huge mistakes. Miami needs to score on defense. They need to score on special teams. And they have a 
you go by DVOA. Historically, they have one of the best special teams in the last 30 years. They're very good defensively. Their offense is not good. So this is where if you're the Chiefs, you've got to be smart in the way you handle the ball. I mean, obviously Mahomes only has two picks this year. This cannot be a game where he has a few uh, that he tacks onto that ledger. And they just – you can't muff a punt in this game. You can't have a punt blocked. You can't fumble the ball and have a scoop and score. That is how Miami's going to win. And I guarantee you Miami's going to be going for the ball every time because they know it. They know they have to win like that. So um, so oversimplifying it perhaps a bit, but I think that's genuinely where we're at with this game. I do think it's possible we could see Fitzpatrick if things aren't going well. Uh, and and, it, and it, to your point, yeah, it very well could be that they're getting blown out. But in that game against Denver, that was a close game. The, the Dolphins were in it. I, I actually think if, they're, if the Chiefs get up really big, and maybe if they get up really big early, they bring Fitzpatrick in to see if he can claw them back into it. But if they, if they find themselves up big in, say, the third quarter, um, they may just go ahead and leave Tua in there and let him play through it if they feel like the game is already lost. But just interesting at these, looking at these two quarterbacks because I actually thought when they took Tua, put Tua in and, and benched Fitzpatrick, that I felt like they should have their best chance to win this year was to stick with Fitzpatrick. I agree. Fitzpatrick has had seven starts. They went now, granted, they went four and three in those starts, but he's thrown for 1,909 yards, 12 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He's a little bit of a gunslinger, but Fitzpatrick can also make things happen with his legs. He's rushed 30 times for 151 yards and two touchdowns. Tua, on the other hand, has started six games. He's five and one, so they're winning the games that he starts. But it's a much more conservative offense, as you mentioned. 898 yards passing. He's averaging 6.6 yards per uh, completion. Seven touchdowns, no interceptions. Denver sacked him six times, and that's when he got benched, right? And he can't, he's not really doing it with his legs. 18 rushes for 37 yards. So in this game, if I'm the Chiefs, I want to get after this, this guy, right? Look at the Denver game. Look how they played him. And don't let them get going on the ground. I think that that's going to be key because I don't want to see Fitzpatrick. I don't want Fitzpatrick to come in and start slinging the ball over the place and running and picking up first downs with his legs because if the game is close, that could be a problem. So do you think it behooves the Chiefs to just kind of get up there, take care of business, don't ever let Miami feel like they're in the game? Well, I mean, if they can do that, that'd be great. I, I think – and by the way, I want to correct myself. For I said nobody's on pace for 800 receiving yards. Devontae Parker is. Devontae Parker's on pace for like 850 or something like that. No one else on the team is, though. Uh, but I just wanted to get that out of the way. He has been very good for them. Um, look, I think if you're the Chiefs, <sighs> Tua's not thrown a pick yet this year. Now, some of that is because he's very careful with the ball. He's only averaging 156 passing yards a game. So – if you expect no, you go one of two ways here. You can either come after him or you can play coverage. I would actually play coverage against him, and I would just say, look, hopefully we get home at the front four. Eric Flowers, who's a starting guard for them, is going to miss this game in all likelihood. Um, they have a rookie left tackle in Austin Jackson. Uh, I, I, would, I would tell Frank Clark and Chris Jones, hey, guys, look, you're going to have to win some matchups here. You're going to have to get home. And then I would do a lot of what Spags typically does against young quarterbacks. I'd show one thing pre-snap and rotate into another thing. The Chiefs are actually really good at that. That's what they did to Josh Allen, and he didn't throw for 100 yards until the last drive of the game. Like, to me, if I'm, if I'm Kansas City, I'm showing cover one, going into cover two. I'm going, showing cover two, going to cover three, going, going to man. Go, like, 
I want to make him hold the ball, which is going to increase my pass rush productivity anyway, and drop seven guys. Um, and look, you know, there's always a mix of these things anyway. You're going to blitz some, and if you see the blitz is working, then keep bringing more of it. But um, like the Chiefs should not have a pro- – this is a game – we talked a lot about the Chiefs defense recently. Like, you better be able to play defense against this team. With all due respect to Miami, Parker's a good receiver. Gasicki's a pretty good tight end. They have nobody else. Preston Wilson uh, – Williams, rather, who's normally their number two receiver's hurt. He's on IR right now. He is eligible to return. Um, but no indication he'll be back for this game. They don't have anybody else. They do not have an offense that is built around the run game. Uh, Miles Gaston leads them with 477 on the ground. Uh, he's averaging 3.9 yards an attempt. They, as a team, average 3.7. Other than Parker and Gasicki, their third leading receiver is Jakeem Grant, who has 298 yards. Okay, and he's played all 12 games. It's not like he's like barely played here. Like this is, this is a team that. Kansas City's got to be able to clamp down on here offensively. They are not – now, again, defensively, they can do some things. We'll get to that. But offensively, yeah. Look, I'd play coverage. I'd change the look and say beat me. I agree, and I think that this is a perfect game to try to get this pass rush going without blitzing too much. Chris Jones, Frank Clark, rest of that defensive line, they need to start making some things happen because when they get into these games against – Drew Brees, or in, in particular, if they have to face Aaron Rodgers at some point, are you going to blitz the crap out of Aaron Rodgers? No, you need to get pressure with four. That's how they're going to be an elite quarterback when they have to. And this is a game where if you can't, if you can't get pressure against Miami and, and rattle this rookie quarterback, then you might have problems. And you're going to put the offense in a bad situation later when Patrick Mahomes has to win a shootout with Rodgers, which it probably would be anyway, should they make it to the Super Bowl. But let's let's try to avoid that if we if at all possible. Looking at the at the defenses, so I actually thought when I was doing my research for the podcast today, it was really interesting looking at Kansas City and Miami's defense because they're very similar in terms of of their metrics. Both the Chiefs and the Dolphins have have allowed about forty two hundred yards of of total offense. Miami is second in the NFL in points. This is where they really. Have, have been shining so far this year. They're second in the NFL in points allowed with 17.7 per game. That's behind only Pittsburgh, who's at 17.6. So, you know, Miami hasn't played murderer's row. They, they got to play the Jets twice and, and some not-so-great offenses. But still, they've done a good job on defense. They've, 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 they did a bend-but-don't-break strategy, and it has worked. They haven't let teams score a lot of points. The Chiefs are sixth and allow 21.2 points per game. On Rush defense, Miami allows 122 rushing yards per game, which is a, a slightly below average in the league. The Chiefs allow 132. Passing, Miami allows 232 passing yards per game. That's 15th in the league. The Chiefs allow 225. That's 12th. So when you look at these defenses, okay, pretty, pretty even in terms of how many points they're giving up, how many yards they're giving up. And then you look at the offenses, and that's where things just the scales get tipped, right? And, and of course, yeah, coaching. Um, how the, on paper, solid middle of the pack defense for the Dolphins. But do you think that they can stand up to this Kansas State Chiefs offense? No, because I don't think anybody can. Not when the Chiefs play well. And I'll give you some more because I think you're right on the money, by the way, with what you just said. So, blitz rate in the NFL this year by percentage. 
Miami's second most, 41.1. Only Baltimore blitzes more than Miami. We know how that plays out when teams blitz the Chiefs. Uh, I would expect Miami drops back. I was talking to a buddy of mine, uh, Jeff Schwartz, who, of course, uh, former Chiefs player. And he's, you know, we were going back and forth a little about this game. So I, I, I think Miami's going to play the Belichick style. They're going to drop off. And the, I, so I agree, although that's not who they've been this year. Um, now, despite the fact they blitzed that much, second in the, in the NFL, um, they rank 10th in pressure percentage, 24.3% of the time they get pressure. You know who else ranks 24.3%? The Chiefs. Um, so that, that's kind of funny. So they're, they're dead even there. The Chiefs, by the way, just for the record, blitz seventh most. Um, as far as actual sacks, Miami's done a nice job. Miami ranks ninth with 31. They're led by former Chief Emmanuel Agba. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. However, you go look at some other things, yards per play, which is a big metric people in the league like to look at. Uh, Miami is tied for 16th with two other teams, the Packers and Kansas City Chiefs. Um, so there, there are a lot of similarities. Now, here's where, here's where, though, they thrive, and this is why. And I, I just want to touch on this one more time. If it matters, this is going to be the game. Drives that end in a turnover, defensively speaking. Miami is second to Cleveland. 15.8% of drives against them end in a turnover. That leads to scoring drives against. How many drives end in a score against them? They rank number one, 26.3. Why? Because of the turnovers. That's why. I can't say it enough. If the Chiefs lose this game, it's going to be because of turnovers. That's why it, it, there's, there's, I promise you, there's not going to be another reason. They're not going to lose because two outplays Mahomes. They're not going to lose because they ran for 180 yards. They're not going to lose because all of a sudden the Chiefs gave up 38 points that often. If the Chiefs lose the game, it's going to be because they turn the ball over. Because that has been the way Miami's beaten good teams all year. It's how they beat the Rams. It's how they beat the Niners. It's how they beat the Cardinals. And, and look, a lot of the defensive stats are skewed, too, by the fact they played the Jets twice, the Bengals. Uh, and it's not take away from them. The, the Dolphins did a nice job, but my point is just when they've played better teams, if they've won the game, it's because they forced a bunch of defensive scores. That's why. Yeah, and the Chiefs lead the NFL, I believe, in turnover differential. And a, a big uh, part of that is because Patrick Mahomes doesn't throw interceptions. Yeah, and the, and the Chiefs, look, you're right. I mean, the Chiefs turned the ball over. I believe less uh, than anybody in football. I know that for a while, Tennessee was there. Tennessee turned over a little bit against Cleveland last week, but that's going to be huge in this game. That's going to be the battle. Um, and, you know, to, to, to that point from an offensive side of things, uh, if you bring up turnover percentage, Kansas city is uh, third best 6.7% of their drives end in the turnover. Uh, as far as the Chiefs scoring, the Chiefs are the only team in the league that score on more than half their drives, 52.9%, right? Like they, they do not turn the ball over. Uh, their sack percentage against is tied for second best in the league. Only Pittsburgh gives up fewer sacks, and it's because Roethlisberger basically catches the snap and throws it immediately. Um, they've only given up 16 sacks all year. So Kansas City is well-positioned not to screw up in this game. They've, they've had 11 fumbles, which sounds like a lot – but it's not really that's eighth in the league. Um, th this is just a, a game for Kansas City where really it's going to come down to how they play. And if they don't make mistakes, 
they'll be fine. Miami is a, is a good young team. They're on the rise. They're not equipped. And you're right, by the way. Kansas City's tied with Pittsburgh for plus 11. Nobody's better than, than those two teams. Um, but that's going to be it. Like in Miami's plus seven, they're tied for uh, fourth best. So, you know, I, I know that makes for a real easy, quick, snackable talking point, but it really is in this case just a reality. Like that, that's how Miami's going to win. And if you're Mahomes, and he's been great at this, but like this is the kind of game, if you have any question, throw it away. Throw it to the ground. Live to fight another day. Xavier Howard for the Dolphins has eight interceptions. He leads the league. He is a defensive player of the year candidate. He is awesome. Byron Jones, who's across from him, is the highest-paid corner in the NFL. He's a good player. They have very good corners. Uh, I don't think they can guard Kelsey. I still think they're going to have to roll coverage on, on Hill because Howard, while he's excellent, does not have the speed of Hill. So, look, it'll be interesting. But that's how the Chiefs lose the game. He picks, fumbles, block kicks, return. Like, this is a game with Butker. Just bang it through the end zone. Make them go 75. Do not give them any opportunity to run back a kickoff. It's craziness. Bomb it through the end zone. Make them go the line. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I've got an interesting theory about the makeup of, of the Chiefs' mentality. I've, it, it sort of just dawned on me this week while I was just thinking about the team. I think it'll be interesting to discuss why the Chiefs sometimes just don't seem to completely show up for games. We're going to take a quick break. We'll hit that on the way back, and we'll also talk our keys to the game, predictions, and we'll take a look at the AFC. All right, we are back. That was our last break of the podcast, so you're with us for the rest of the way. All right, so, Vergram, before the break, I, I teased a, a, a theory that I've got about the Chiefs. It's, it's, it's not some sort of like groundbreaking thing, and, and you've sort of alluded to it multiple times on the podcast, that sometimes you think the Chiefs get bored. And I started yeah. thinking back to, you know, because the, the, the game against the, the Broncos was, was frustrating for a lot of people. There was a, a lack of execution for the Chiefs on offense, and I started thinking about the games this season. The games that the Chiefs, when they were going into the game, they thought, we got to strap up because we're playing a good team, okay? Houston. Chiefs didn't know. Everybody before that game was talking about, ah, Texans are going to be out for revenge. They're fed up with losing to the Chiefs. How are they going to play after they blew this massive lead in the playoffs to Kansas City? They're ready for this game. Chiefs killed them. Absolutely killed them. The next game like that was the Ravens. Lamar Jackson's finally got to beat Patrick Mahomes. This is the statement game for the Ravens. They're tired of losing to the Chiefs. This is a budding rivalry, but it's not a rivalry until the, the Ravens can show that they can beat the Chiefs. Chiefs killed them. Absolutely killed them. Next big game, playing the Bills. This is for Josh Allen. This is his chance to show he's not a bust. The Bills are taking over the AFC East. They're going to fight for supremacy in the AFC. Big game for the number one seed. Chiefs killed them. Just absolutely killed them. Just Bills had no chance in that game. So when you think back to, to, those, to those games that the Chiefs – oh, and the last one, Tampa Bay. It's Tom Brady. Tampa Bay, this could be a Super Bowl preview. Tampa Bay's got a really good defense. The, the Chiefs are going to be in trouble on defense. They don't play very well on defense sometimes, and Tampa Bay's got all these weapons. They got Gronk, and they got Godwin. 
just came out of the gate and just completely annihilated Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay clawed their way back into it late, but let's be honest, that game wasn't close. Chiefs could have scored 50 if they wanted to. So when I think back on all those games, all the games that annoy me about the Chiefs are games against teams that, the Broncos, the Raiders, right? Games against teams that aren't that good. And that the Chiefs probably aren't very scared of when they're looking at the tape. Do you think that is absolutely the case? Is this a wacky theory with me? Or is this team just, when they strap up, when they know that they've got to play well, they're absolutely incredible. No, I mean, I, look, you, you know, I feel, I mean, I, I've said this for a while now. I absolutely think this is the case with them. They, and, and you could argue, well, they, they shouldn't feel that way. And, and first of all, look, obviously, I don't know. I don't sit there. I don't have a direct line into Patrick Mahomes. I don't say, hey, you know, Patrick, what was going on there? You know, and we don't, we don't sit down and have Cool Ranch Doritos and talk about it. So I, I can't say for sure. But I definitely think that. I, I think that they at times get just bored with, okay, great. Who's on the schedule? Carolina. Who cares? Like, we're going to be Carolina. We're going to make four or five plays. It doesn't matter. And like, I even look at like, – to use that game as an example, like they, they got down 14-3 and then basically were like, all right, I guess we'll try, and then just blew them out for the next two quarters and then, and then fell off again. It was like, all right, well, we're up 13 in the fourth or whatever it was. Maybe that's not the case, and they're just erratic at times. But I was just talking to my dad about this, who's the biggest Chief fan on earth, and we were having this conversation. And I just said, I could see them getting into the playoffs. Obviously, they're, they're already in. I could see them being in the playoffs and us having this conversation of like, man, I don't know what their deal is. They're so inconsistent. But I could also see us having this conversation in the playoffs being like, man, they are just destroying teams because that's what they've been playing for all year. Like, I definitely could see a scenario with them, and maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't, but I could see it, where they get a bye, they come out, they play somebody like Tennessee, they win by 30 points, then they play Pittsburgh and just beat the doors off the Steelers and go to the Super Bowl. I, I, could, I could definitely see them doing it. Like, they're just – you're right in the sense that they have – when they've had their best games, it's been against the best teams they've played all year long. That's why that game against New Orleans to me is very interesting. Because you look at that game and you're like, yeah, I don't even know if the Chiefs are going to need that game. Like, depending on how Sunday goes, we just talked about it. Obviously, look, they're going to be trying to win. But my point is, I don't know how much it's quite on the line. Like, I could see that being a game where it's, yeah, it's a tough game. It's a Superdome. You know, the Chiefs lose a close one. That, that certainly is in play. I could also see the Chiefs going to that game and winning like 45 to 20 and just absolutely destroying New Orleans. And then you're like, wow, okay, yeah. That feels pretty good going into the Christmas uh, holiday, you know, Hanukkah, whatever you happen to celebrate. They're just – they're weird, but they're great. Like, there's one thing that's consistent with the Chiefs. They win. They win every game they play. I mean, really, they've lost one game in over a calendar year, including the Super Bowl, including all the playoff games. Like, it's not like they've been playing a bunch of slubs. They play the best teams in the league, and they're killing them. So, yes, I just think they, sometimes they get a little erratic, and maybe it's because they're like, eh. Call us when there's a big one. I, I really think that's the case. I mean, if you, you can even look back to last year and some of the games that they, that they lost last year, you know, going up against a good Tennessee team. Like, oh, we've got Pat back, you know, and they let their guard down a little bit and they don't execute. The, game, the loss to the Colts, 
right? Oh, we're playing Jacoby Brissett this week. And I don't think that they're thinking these things specifically in their head. Like uh, they're looking at the, yeah, Jacoby Brissett, he's going to be easy. But I just think there's a thing that mentally happens when you go out there, especially when you start playing some of these teams who aren't as good and you're pushing them around a little bit. Look at the game last week on, on, on offense. She started moving the ball up and down the field on the Broncos. There was little resistance except for a few batted passes. And then the Chiefs would just not execute. They would lose focus a little bit. A pass would be a little high, things like that. And there's probably something where you, they let off the gas a little bit when they're like, oh, yeah, like I'm, I'm beating this guy, right? Like I'm getting open. This is, you know, and then you drop the ball. And I think that I think that that's what's happening. And even if you look at last year when they played, we mentioned that Packers game earlier. They really got up for that game. I mean, they played a really good game overall with Matt Moore's quarterback, and they almost won. I mean, they were in that game to the very end without Mahomes with a guy who was not even in football a few weeks earlier. So look at the playoffs. They go up against the Texans. They – now, I, you obviously argue they didn't get up for that game, right? They, they, they had a few bad things happen for them early in the game, which made it almost a complete disaster. But once they turned it on, they murdered them. They absolutely murdered them. They came in, had very little trouble with Tennessee in the playoffs. So this team, yeah, I think it's just like when you're brilliant, it's hard to be brilliant all the time just constantly brilliant, right? It was, it was Montana was a lot like that. They used to say about Joe, like he, was, he wasn't always great. He was just great when he needed to be, and he was so clutch. I think that's a little bit going on with this team. They're just so talented that it, it takes a little bit of extra gear to turn on that brilliance, and they need to be motivated. I mean, look, a lot of it too is just, they don't, they don't always need to be that. Like, like the Tampa game is a perfect example. Like you could sit there, well, yeah, Tampa got back in the game. Tampa never one time had the ball where they could tie the game. Tampa was never in that game. The Chiefs came out, put up a million yards in the first quarter. They were up 17-0 before the anthem was over. That game was done. Tampa never seriously threatened to win that game. And I, I get it. People say, well, you know, the Chiefs don't put these teams away like they should. Like, and there's some truth in that, okay? I mean – there is some truth in that. But ultimately, like, in the moment, as you're a Chief fan, so you're nervous during the game. But, like, if you're really honest with yourself, how many games have they been in this year where you really thought that the issue was in doubt? Probably the two Raiders games. And, and I, I would submit also the, the, the first game when they played the Chargers. The Chargers had the Chiefs on the ropes in that game. Okay? That is it. And, by the way, all three of those are divisional games. It's, even though Denver was close, I never once thought Denver was going to win that game. Like, I can't speak for anybody else. Same. I never, yeah. never, ever thought that the Broncos were going to win that game. I was never worried. Like, I never thought the Jets would win. I know even the, the Panthers, like, I know they had a 68-yard field goal at the end to win it. But I, at no point, I think Carolina was going to win that game. Like, never thought Tampa was going to win. You know, the, the Pats didn't think they were going to win. Never thought the Bills or Ravens would win. Like, the Texans. The only games this year that have been in doubt were the Chargers and the two Raiders games. That's it. That's it. Out, of, out, of, out of 12 games on an NFL schedule, three games at any point in time, right? Like, yeah, they might lose. The other nine games, it's pretty much like light a cigar and sit back because they're, they're going to win. And, you know, we focus on the Chiefs because, of course, that's what we're here for with Chief fans. But the reality is, go look around the rest of the league. How many games has Pittsburgh played where that game's been in doubt? 
a lot. How many games has Buffalo played where the issue's been in doubt? Quite a few. And I, I think Buffalo's terrific, but Buffalo's been in quite a few. Um, you could say the same thing about Seattle, the Rams, New Orleans, Green Bay. I mean, the Chiefs are the most complete team in football alongside the Saints, but the Chiefs are, are, are just better equipped with the quarterback at this point to win games. Um, this is – let's transition, though, in a little bit of a sense. Make no mistake. This is the biggest game the Chiefs have played this year in a lot of ways because you're the last quarter of the season. Okay, you're 11-1. and one. As you mentioned earlier, Pittsburgh decided to just not score a point against Washington. Okay, after getting a 14-0, they lose. This Sunday, if you're a golf fan, like there's always moving day in golf on that Saturday. This is moving day in the AFC playoffs. Miami and Kansas City, Indy and the Raiders. Cleveland and Baltimore Monday night. Buffalo and Pittsburgh Sunday night. That's eight teams. I mean, that is eight of the top nine teams in the playoff picture, right? Eight of the top ten, excuse me. Eight of the top ten in the playoff picture. That's an inordinate amount of teams that are going to be getting losses this week. Other teams are going to be getting big wins. If Kansas City wins this game and Pittsburgh loses up in Orchard Park on Sunday night, the Chiefs are in immense position to be the number one seed. And I would submit that if the Chiefs are the number one seed, they're going to the Super Bowl. There is nobody going in Because Pittsburgh and Buffalo are probably going to be the 2-3. Nobody is going in there in the divisional round and beating the Chiefs unless it is a monster upset. And then the Chiefs would get Pittsburgh or Buffalo in the AFC title game at home. And with all due respect to both those teams, I would pick the Chiefs 100 times out of 100. So this is an enormous game. The Chiefs cannot let up. They cannot slip up. I know they're 11-1. and one. They won 20-21. This game can't be the game where the Chiefs fall apart and have a bad weekend. I know it's unfair, but it's reality. This is a game they got to win. Put the pressure on Pittsburgh on Sunday Night Football. And we were all Dolphins fans last year with Fitzmagic when they yeah. beat the Patriots uh, unexpectedly. I think you're absolutely right. And I hope that this is one of those games they're an 8-4 and four team that the Chiefs are that are that they're up for to to put a bow on the conversation we were having just before this that Andy and the coaches are like hey be ready these guys don't care forget about the fact that he's a rookie quarterback these guys are eight and four this is a key game for us about getting this number one seed go out there don't mess around execute win this game do not lose and then you can sit back and and on the flight and watch. Pittsburgh and and the Bills if they're not back already depending on how quickly they get out of the stadium because um, that's going to be a huge game all right I think we should move on to our keys for this game you've already mentioned don't turn the ball over for me it is pressure the young quarterback and execute on offense if the Chiefs do those two things I don't see any way they lose this football game the the, the Dolphins defense is fine the Chiefs' offense is way better. Miami might score some points in this game, but the Chiefs should, the Chiefs should be able to put up 30 against this Miami defense. They really should if the offense executes. So if they play like they did last week against Denver on offense, they could be in trouble. They're dropping balls, missing passes, having weird, quirky things happen like the Tyree kill thing in the end zone. But at the end of the day, this, this, should, be, this should be, I don't want to say an easy one for the Chiefs, but if the offense executes, then that's going to take the running game away from Miami, and they should be able to tee off on this young quarterback 
and the game should be over by the end of the third quarter. Verderam, what are your keys to the game? You're not going to believe this. Don't turn the ball over. Like, <laughs> I, I just can't stress. Look, that is how they're going to lose if they lose this game. I will come on here and give a mea culpa if they lose any other way. I will be floored if they lose any other way. We know offensively they do not have bad games. I mean, that game against Denver is probably the worst offensive game they're going to have all year long. Like they, and they had 450 yards. And, and, a, and a touchdown that should have counted would have given them 29 points. But Kansas City, look, defensively, if I go past the turnover thing, I, I think it's just don't bust coverage. Just don't, don't give a huge play up. Miami is not going to go down the length of the field over and over and over. They may have one drive, maybe even two, or they, you know, 12 plays, something like that. But they're not going to consistently do that. They're not built to do it. I think you're going to see a lot of plays in this game where it's third and long and two or throws short. I mean, it's just the way he's programmed right now. They're very safe with him. I'd also say, say this, watch for anything. The Dolphins have had a couple of really weird, funky, fake field goals. and fa- like This has to be a week where Tobe is completely ready for anything in this game. Because if I'm Flores, I have nothing to lose. Like You're not expected to win this game. And look, Brian Flores, I, I spoke briefly with him once at Senior Bowl. He's a very impressive guy. He's a very smart guy. He's a very smart football coach. I know that sounds like an obvious statement. Like, oh, of course he's an NFL head coach. Believe me, some of these guys are dumber than rocks. Like, Flores is very intelligent. He knows going into this game, they're going to have to probably steal a possession or two. That's just reality, whether it's by a turnover. Like, if I'm Tobe, I'm looking for onside kicks, fake punts, fake field goals. Because if, if you're Miami, that's how you're probably going to have to win this game. You're, they're not beating the Chiefs if the turnovers are straight up. And they're just no, you know, playing a normal game. They're not talented enough yet. They're not. They're very impressive. They're very well coached. But they're not, they're not to the level of the Chiefs by any stretch of the imagination. So I think if you're Kansas City, expect the unexpected. Be on your P's and Q's defensively. Don't blow some big coverage. Make them drive the length. And offensively, again, for the love of God, do not turn the ball over. Two hands on the ball. If Mahomes has any doubts, throw it away. This is the kind of game it's fine to live another day. Now, I'm with you. I think they're going to get into, you know, close to 30, if not 30. But it's just better to be safe than sorry in this game. And if the Chiefs can execute that, I think they're fine. I think they win the game going away. Yeah, shame on the Chiefs. If they get caught by a fake punt or a surprise onside kick, shame on the special teams unit because that is exactly the kind of thing to expect in a game like this. I think you're absolutely right. Okay, so we're going to – oh, real quick, I want to just go over some injuries uh, just to, to put a bow on this and, and get your primer finished for this game. So, uh, Tyree, there's, and there's a bug going around the Chiefs. So, as we know, Clyde Edwards-Elair, and much to my chagrin and, and that of my fantasy team, did not play against the Broncos. He was active, but he had had a, an illness – and he had reportedly lost a little bit of weight. And so he was just there as an emergency back. So it sounds like, and I don't want to speculate about people's health, but it sounds like when you lose weight, it either sounds like the flu or some sort of stomach bug, which can be going around. And it's, you know, maybe, maybe causing you to evacuate a little bit and you lose weight, you get dehydrated. And he was on the, illness, on the injury report with an illness early in the week. And I thought, oh, he'll be fine. You see guys are sick early in the week all the time they play on Sunday. But he didn't practice all week. So something to keep an eye on this week is that now two other players are on the injury report with an illness. One is Yasser Durant, offensive lineman, 
not a big concern. The other is Tyreek Hill. He's on, he's on the injury report with an illness, didn't practice yesterday. Keep an eye on today. I, I, if he's got a similar illness to Clyde edwards Lair, that could be concerning, no? Heading into this weekend? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, anytime a guy misses practice, it's concerning. Um, but yes, I, I do. I do think that, you know, obviously Edwards Alaire couldn't play in the game. Uh, now it's what, you know, it's Wednesday. Hill might be back Thursday. It might be totally fine. Edwards Alaire practiced in full on Wednesdays. So he looks good to go for the game. Um, let's also be real. They're human and it's December. Like it happens. You know, you get sick, you get the flu, whatever it is. The good news is they've been in fact that it's not COVID related. If it's not COVID related, then then it's probably okay. So, yeah, a little concerning. Look, luckily for them, their injury report's pretty damn clean. I mean, really, it really is. I mean, you know, the Hills got the Hills got the illness. Damian Wilson didn't practice with a knee. Everybody else is fine. The Dolphins, on the other hand, Eric Flowers got an ankle injury. He didn't practice. He's a starting guard for them. They gave him a three-year, thirty million dollar deal in the offseason. Um, he's expected to miss the game. Then they have Landon Roberts and Kyle Van Noy, two linebackers for them. Roberts with a chest, Van Noy with a hip, didn't practice. If Van Noy doesn't play, that's a big deal. Van Noy is a very big good deal. player. Obviously, know him from uh, from New England. Same with Roberts, by the way. And then I won't go through all of them. They have a million guys listed as limited, uh, including Xavion uh, Howard, guard Solomon Kinley, uh, Tua with the thumb. But, you know, I would expect most, if not all those guys, to play. So – uh, both teams pretty healthy. Again, Preston Williams is out for them. He's their second receiver. Normally, he's on IR right now. Uh, and Flowers is expected to be out. The rest of these guys is kind of a day-to-day thing. And for the Chiefs, as long as Hill is, you know, feeling better, I would, I'm sure I'll be fine. Uh, and then Wilson will monitor the knee. Mitchell Schwartz is eligible to come off IR for this game, but no word on that. I have uh, I've been doing a little bit of digging, but so far, uh, this, the word is. You know, right now it's it's wait and see. So uh, he he continues to be out since the Buffalo game. Absolutely, the the ones to watch there: Eric Flowers, Van Noy for the Dolphins, and of course Tyreek Hill. The injury report will be out later today. We'll find out if Tyreek practiced. I could see if he's got a, a you know nasty illness, maybe he doesn't get back on the field until Friday. Friday's the key day. You want to see him going through that walkthrough on Friday. Okay. Let's talk about the AFC before we get to our predictions for the Dolphins game. We already talked about the Steelers and what's at stake there with this Steelers-Bulls game on Sunday night football. Buffalo's 9-3, and three, so if they were to beat Pittsburgh, you could say, well, should we get a little bit nervous about the Bills? But Chiefs fans don't need to worry about that. They beat Buffalo. They've got the tiebreaker if they were to finish with the same record, and Buffalo already has three losses. So we're not really worried about Buffalo, but they do look very good and as a challenger in the AFC, should they beat Pittsburgh, they put themselves in decent position to maybe snag the two seed in the AFC should Pittsburgh continue to stumble. Next, you've got the Titans. They're the four seed right now at eight and four. They just got shellacked by the Browns who come in at number five. They're nine and three. I got to say, uh, actually, what's that's strange. Why are the Browns the four? Oh, it's because the t- Tennessee is going to win the division. So you got the Browns with a better record, nine and three. What's your thoughts on the Browns? I mean, we talked about them on this podcast a few times that, hey, they're, they're a good team. They do some things well, but they're pro- we, they've been labeled. We've labeled them as pretenders in our contenders and pretenders segments. What do you feel about them now after seeing what they did to Tennessee? Same. I feel the same way. 
I mean, I just – I try not to change any opinions off of one game, good, bad, or otherwise. And it was one game. They were they were really impressive in the game. Mayfield played really well in the first half. They held on in the second half. I still think the Browns are the same team. Their defense isn't good. Miles Garrett's terrific. Denzel Ward is very good. Um, other than that, they have some issues defensively. Look, they need to be able to run the ball and play off play action. And if they can do that, they're effective offensively. If they can't, Mayfield's got to beat you throwing the ball 40 times, he's going to lose. Um, I think Browns are capable of winning the playoff game. That's about where I'm at. I don't think they're beating Buffalo. I don't think they're beating Pittsburgh. I don't think they're beating Kansas City. Um, but I think they're, you know, could they could they play Tennessee or Indianapolis in a playoff game and win? Sure. They already beat those two teams. I could see that. Um, but I, I, I think they're still – I think they still need to win a certain way. And in the NFL, it's just very hard to go into the playoffs and only be able to win one way. Yeah, they're an interesting team. Their strength of victory is only 347. So, look, we'll know a lot more about Cleveland by the end of the year. They still have to play Baltimore again, and they still have to play Pittsburgh. So if they win those two games, I think maybe our tune changes a little bit on Cleveland and we see how they've evolved. Remember, it's Stefanski's first year in Cleveland, so he's still installing his system. Players are getting used to it. So they're going to be a really fascinating team to watch the rest of the way because they have some big games. Next, in sixth, the sixth seed is Miami, who the Chiefs are playing this weekend. I, I should have looked at this before we did the podcast. We went over their schedule. Miami's strength of schedule has only been 365. Their strength of victory... 266 the jets will do that yeah the the jets will drag down we saw that happen to the chiefs earlier this year the jets did drag down their their strength of victory it's back to normal now um and then the seventh seed right now last playoff spot is the colts they're at eight and four they're at 411 and on the outside looking in the raiders who almost lost to the jets last week they're not in a good spot right now seven and five and surprisingly, the Baltimore Ravens at seven and five, who have been struggling, beat the Cowboys this week. And then the last sort of team that has a prayer of making the playoffs, the New England Patriots won a few here recently. They're six and six, five and four in the conference. What do you, Raiders, Ravens, Patriots, Ferdinand, those are the teams on the outside looking in. Do you see any of those three teams getting in? Yes. The Pats have no shot. We can, just, we can just stop with that. They're not, they're not making the playoffs. Um, I think Baltimore is not going to lose another game. I think Baltimore is going to run the table, and here's why. And I keep saying this in stacking the box, and Carm keeps getting annoyed with me, uh, my co-host, but it's, it's reality. Look, the 7-5, and five, they got Cleveland on Monday Night Football this week in Cleveland. That is the game. If they win that game, their last three games, Jacksonville, the Giants at home, and Cincinnati, they're not losing any of those games. Right. So they'll get to 11-5 and five if they beat Cleveland. And I think that look, they're going to make the playoffs. They get to eleven and five. Uh, the Raiders have to win this weekend against the Colts. They're at home. They're a three-point dog at home. They have to win the game. If they can't win that game, it's over for them. Uh, the Colts will get to ten. I think the Raiders will not get the, the Raiders. Even they want out, will get to ten. It's not enough because uh, Cleveland, I think, gets to eleven. And I and I also think that uh, that the Ravens are going to get to eleven. So. I think Baltimore is going to get in. I think Baltimore is going to get in. And Baltimore, I guarantee you in a month from now, all you're going to hear about is you don't want to play Baltimore. You don't want to play Baltimore. That's going to be the thing. Now, I don't know that I agree with that. I just think Baltimore is going to take advantage of a really easy schedule. But that's how I think this plays out. Now, if Cleveland beats the Ravens, which they could, then it's a different conversation. But if Baltimore can win that game, I think they're equipped to do it. 
then then I think all of a sudden they're going to come – you could definitely see like a 2-7 Kansas City, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Baltimore game in the first round. Um, yeah, I think they're going to find a way in. Here's a really interesting thing about the AFC North. Right now it's like, okay, yeah, the Steelers are probably going to win the division and then maybe the, the Ravens and the Browns get in as wild cards. If the Cleveland Browns beat the Ravens on Monday Night Football and the Steelers lose to the Bills, now the Browns are one game back of the Steelers, one and a half games because of that they lost to Pittsburgh earlier. Right. Cleveland's schedule the rest of the way after the Ravens game. They play at the Giants, who are they're playing pretty well, but the Browns are a better football team. They should beat them. At the Jets. And then the last game of the season is they host the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now I don't know how the tiebreakers will work out. Or if, or if Pittsburgh will lose another game along the way if they lose to Buffalo. But there could, you, we could be in a fascinating situation here in the AFC North on the last Cleveland, day of the season. Cleveland – somebody actually brought this up to me on Twitter. So Cleveland has to win out. And Pittsburgh has to lose both the Indianapolis and – well, I guess you could lose. They'd have to lose two of the next three. They'd have to lose two of the next three and then lose to Cleveland. So they'd have to kind of fall apart. But theoretically, it is, it is, uh, you know, it is possible. Yeah, you could set up an interesting situation where Pittsburgh is going into that game and they have to win. And that would be good for the Chiefs because unless it's for the number one seed, Kansas City could be in a situation in the last week of the season where they can rest some guys. Oh. I mean, that would be ideal, of course. Look, if you're the Chiefs, really what you're hoping for in all, in all realistic possibilities here is that you win on Sunday, Steelers lose, and then you win one of the next two, okay? The Steelers maybe lose to Indianapolis Week 16. And then I believe, and I'm, I'm just doing this off the top of my head, but I think at that point, yeah, I'm right with this. Yeah, the Chiefs will have clinched. Because even if they lose to the Chargers, they would or worse, it could just be a tie. Um, and the Chiefs would, would win on on uh, common opponents. So yeah, I mean, look, it's possible. I, I and by the way, I'm of the opinion I think Buffalo is gonna boat race Pittsburgh in that game. I think they are gonna absolutely boat race them. I Pittsburgh can't run the ball. Like Buffalo's biggest weak points are they don't rush the passer and they're not good against the run. Well, guess what? It doesn't matter against Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh is the worst rushing team in the NFL. And they don't, they, they don't throw the ball down the field, so they get rid of the ball so quickly, your pass rush doesn't really matter. Like, if you rely on pass rush to win, you're, you're screwed against Pittsburgh because they throw the ball quicker than anybody in the league. The Bills don't care. The, and the other thing with the Bills, look, Pittsburgh loves to blitz. If they blitz Allen in this game, the one thing about Allen, he can throw the ball through, through a car wash without getting it wet. He will find windows. He'll hit guys one-on-one. And he's got the mobility that if they blitz, but they don't get to him right away, and there's, there's a crease, he can get out and he can run. So I, I think, look, I think the Bills match up really well with Pittsburgh. I think the same with Kansas City as well, by the way. But I, I think the Chiefs, this is such an opportunity. You can beat the Dolphins. We all sit around the television Sunday night. Think, things could really change in a hurry for, for Kansas City here. All, they could go from having two weeks ago, well, we need the Steelers to lose all these games to – Wow, all we pretty much have to do is beat the Falcons and Chargers and it's over. Throw a football through a car wash without getting wet. That's that's good. Did you come up with that? 
No, I heard Belichick say it once. Belichick, that's pretty damn good. I like it. All right, let's let's get wrap this thing up. It's time for our final score predictions. Verderam, why don't you kick us off? So, I believe I said twenty nine seventeen, and uh, I, I I just think I think Miami's going to have a hard time scoring. Like the Chiefs, who I've I've killed defensively recently. I outlined all their issues. They're dead last in the red zone. They're they're, they're the fourth most missed tackles. I just think they, they hold Miami, and I think Kansas City is going to score points. I think they're going to move the ball. They're going to do a nice job. I, I think they win comfortably. I think they find a way to win the game. I agree. I've got it. Chiefs 33, Dolphins 21. I think Kansas City, like they love playing in Florida. This game's in Miami. Played really well in Tampa. They won the Super Bowl down there. They should feel very comfortable in the uh, – in the, is it the Sunshine State? Is Florida the Sunshine State? Or is that California? Uh, yes, it is. So they'll feel they'll feel very good down there. I think they'll come out. They'll get up early. I think the Dolphins will move the ball. There'll be a couple frustrating drives with the Chiefs defense, and maybe they they get a late third touchdown when the game is already decided. All right, it's an early game this weekend, and then you can sit back the rest of the afternoon, have a few beers or or, or libations, whatever you will and watch the rest of the action unfold. And as, as Verderam pointed out, really interesting day in the AFC playoff race. So play around with the playoff machine on ESPN, get the playoff standings up, keep an eye on things. We'll be back on Sunday night to wrap up Chiefs Dolphins and get you ready for the week to come. Thank you again for listening. If you like what you heard, you can follow us on Twitter. He's at, at Matt Verderam. I am at, at R Patrick Allen. Please make sure you follow Matt Connor, the lead expert at arrowhead addict he's at matt connor aa and of course follow at arrowhead addict make sure you head over to apple podcast leave us those reviews we're trying to get to 100 we need y'all tell your friends tell your parents even if they don't listen to the podcast just tell them to raise five stars leave a written review say those nice boys patrick and matt are so pleasant to listen to all right for matt verga my name is patrick allen thank you for listening we will see you on sunday night and as always go chiefs For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.